What's up, podcast fam? Epic episode for you guys today. Gary spoke at the ANA conference in Orlando in 2016. Since today's Daily V is from Gary's most recent trip to Orlando, we thought we'd bring back this fire keynote. Get ready for an all-time marketing State of the Union, followed by questions and answers. Morning. (laughs) Uh, I'm really excited to be here. As somebody who has come from outside the industry over the last seven years, I've become very fond of my contemporaries and, and the creative and strategic people in this industry, and I've enjoyed it quite a bit. My backstory is very immigrant. I was born in the Soviet Union. I came to the US. Um, we ha- you know, I lived in a studio apartment a fourth of the size of this stage with my family. My dad got a job as a stock boy in a liquor store. We were super poor the first six, seven years of being here. And eventually, you know, how many people are immigrants or children of immigrants? Raise your hand. Awesome, so you guys, a lot of you know, there's a really hardcore secret immigrants have. It's a tried and true strategy. Don't spend money on dumb shit. (laughs) And uh, that's what my parents did for the first five to 10 years. We've saved and eventually my dad bought uh, a small liquor store in Springfield, New Jersey. This industry is so interesting to me, besides the last political question, most of the questions that were asked of all these wonderfully smart people, the part that I was most fascinated by as I watched that was who gets to be the judge and jury, right? Who gets to be the judge of quality? Who gets to be the judge and jury has been the number one question that I've had since I've entered this industry, because you see, My story is simple. When you go into a family business and you're a first generation immigrant and you have to work for two bucks an hour as a 14 year old in a liquor store, there's no can lion award that justifies your marketing strategy. There's no modeling mix, right? There's no subjectivity. My KPI was to sell more Pinot Noir. If my marketing worked, my family ate more and had more stuff. And so I come from a background where I disproportionately respect sales and marketing in very separate silos, but I find myself in the last decade where a lot of people mix the two and debate the two and don't have as much vested interest as entrepreneurs in business to actually dissect the two. What I'm excited to talk about this morning is deploying dramatic common sense in a 2017 world to an industry that I've had an unbelievable time getting to know. When I first got here, I came out of building a liquor store from three to $60 million in five years with no money. How did I do that? You have to make every penny work. Not only was it doing $3 million a year, we were running on 10% gross profit. So we had $300,000 before expenses to make our business grow. I did that because while Sherry Lehman's and Zaki's and Sam's and KNL and Wine.com with its $188 million in funding were doing the Wine Spectator and the New York Times and Wall Street Journal and Direct Mail and Outdoor, I decided that launching an e-commerce site in 1996 was a good idea. Instead of opening a second store, this was gonna be my second and third store. The other thing I did was I started an email newsletter in 1996. How many people here have done or have been close to email marketing in their career? Please raise your hand. Great, you're gonna love this one. In 1996, 200,000 people on my email newsletter and I had 91.3% open rates. Not because I was a genius or the copy was so great, it was because nobody was 
email marketing. The one thing I promise you more than anything, more than I know that the sun will come up tomorrow, I know one true fact. Marketers ruin everything. (laughs) It's what we do. Two and a half years ago, I was so pumped when I decided that Snapchat was gonna be the next frontier and I couldn't wait to fuck up that little ghost. (laughs) You wanted to follow your friends? I wanted to sell you shit, right? So that's been my life. Email was this new thing. I was like, wait a minute. I can reach people. Instead of doing direct mail and paying for the paper and paying for the stamp, I can do this. And wait a minute, I'm selling the wine, Opus One Chateau Lafitte, three to four months ahead of my competition because between the time they have to make the catalog and get it into your home, I was already in their inbox and here's the punchline. My friends, I am not a digitalist or a futurist or definitely not a social media guru. What I am is I really give a shit about one thing. I have one pitch. If you're a baseball fan, I basically equate my career much more to Mariano Rivera than anything else. He was the Yankees closer for 15 years, he had one pitch, and nobody could hit it. I've played the same game since I was six years old. When I started my entrepreneurial career, I started a lemonade stand, but I started five of them. I manipulated my friends to stand behind the lemonade stands all day. And what I did was I walked up and down the streets of Edison, New Jersey, it was 1982, different time, and I would watch cars drive, and I would, this, this is how sick and broken of a human being I am. As a six-year-old, I would walk up and down the streets of New Jersey, and I would sit, sit, and watch people drive on the street and try to figure out which tree or pole was better for me to put my lemonade stand sign on because I was following their eyes. And basically, the rest of my life has been one hardcore religion around attention. I don't care about traditional or digital. I stand here today, and a lot of people know me and they think I'm all about Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram, and I am, but I will stand here today. My long-term plan, I've built an agency from 30 to 800 people in the last five years, from three to 100 million revenue, no M&A, all growth, but my main goal is predicated on building a private equity firm on top of it because while great companies like the one that presented right before me can only spend their money on their seven to 12 monster brands, there's ungodly amounts of great brands in that portfolio that are gonna be sold off. And I'm gonna buy those brands and I'm gonna run them through my machine. That is my plan of how I am gonna buy the New York Jets, right? That's my strategy. <laughs> so, yeah, not so fun right now. So, <laughs> so, For me, what's been interesting about building my agency is I'm like, we're not so special, we're not so great. What we are is we are disproportionately aligned with our clients because I want to become our clients. My goal is not to run on the highest margin so I can sell my agency for eight times EBITDA to a fucking holding company. My goal is to build an actual business and what that's done is it's made, (laughs) thank you. So what it's done is it's made me want to break and rewire my first corporate America meeting of my life. So in 2006 and seven, I did something super smart. I invested in Facebook and Twitter very early on, and then Tumblr, and then Uber. I'm mainly saying that to humble brag, but it's an important, it's an important thing. I decided that this one pitch that I had, because I built Wine Library on email marketing, then the day that Google AdWords came out, I bought the word wine for five cents a click before they raised the minimum to 10 cents a click, and I sold a lot of wine. As a matter of fact, 
It's the great regret of my life. It is why I will pound you at some point in my 18 minutes here on really understanding what's happening in the Facebook ad ecosystem because it is the 100% replication of early Google and I was selling a ton of wine but I should have put all my money into it because when you have a once in a generation arbitrage of attention that is grossly underpriced by the market, you need to become pot committed to extract all the value. And even though I grew my dad's business from three to 60 million, the truth is, and this is not fun for me to say to you, it should have been three to 150 million because all that direct mail money and all that billboard money and all that New York Times money should have went all in to Google because I would have extracted such phenomenal ROI. My career took an interesting turn four months after YouTube came out. YouTube came out, I took a look at it. It was another moment in my life like e-com, like email marketing, like Google AdWords where I felt it. I was like, this is gonna be big. And I started a wine show called Wine Library TV. It was the first time that advertising wasn't driving my revenue, it was content. And I was producing a show, the show was pretty basic. I sat in front of a camera for 20 minutes and drank four bottles of wine. Best gig I ever had. And at its height, hundreds of thousands of people a day were watching it and I was selling lots and lots of wine. And that taught me what I've always known and I wanna say this before I go into the next part of my rant because if I don't say it, it will get lost. My absolute belief is that creative is the variable of success. That the creative is the variable of success. The problem is I fundamentally do not believe how this marketplace brings creative to life. If you go home and tell a non-marketing person this story, I want to know their reaction. Hey, Sally, best friend, let me actually tell you about my business. This is now the general industry. No agency, no brand. This is the net score and you know it. Here's the bottom line. Here's how most brands work in 2017. We're there already, right? A human being and one or two of her contemporaries come up with some creative ideas for a brand. They sit in a room, they get some insights, they have some strategy, but in general, sometimes by the way, they come up with creative ideas. Humans, three, five, six, seven. They then narrow down their five to seven ideas to one to two, maybe three, because you know, the meaning to pitch this only has a certain amount of time. The person on the other end is normally by high percentage, somebody who went to business school and was taught to run a P&L and a business. That person sits in a room, lets the other person present, they watch a couple of videos, talk about other cockamanian horseshit, and then, and then, those two people at the top, the brand person and the creative person from that agency, those two human beings decide what the creative is for the brand. Now what's interesting about that creative is it has to be 100% vanilla. You know why? Because when they deploy that creative, 60 to 70% of the money, maybe 50, but probably closer to 70 if you factor in the other channels besides television, but 50% of that money is spent in the form of making a 30 second video. That 30 second video in 2017 is deployed the following way. It plays in between television, linear television. Let's get really honest here for one second, friends. By show of hands, and remember, lying is the devil. (laughs) By show of hands, how many people here in late 2016, when they watch television, outside of live sports, watch it on your time, 
Not when it actually airs. DVR, Tebow, on your time, raise your hand. Oh, weird, everybody. <laughs> and of all of you that just raised your hands, if you're not doing Netflix and HBO Go, which is, by the way, the majority of the emerging trends, but if you're DVRing, because there's unbelievable content on network television, how many of you in 2016 fast forward every single commercial when given the option? Raise your hands. Yeah, all of you. And by the way, let's all agree, this is not a 14-year-old girl crowd. We're old. (laughs) And miraculously, miraculously, if that commercial that you spend 40, 50, 60, 70% of your money and energy on gets lucky and actually airs in front of you because, I don't know, you dropped your fucking remote off the bed, When it airs, there's not a single person here when that thing airs that doesn't grab this and wants to talk about what LeBron just did or what she just wore. I promise you one thing, you can count all the impressions you want for the rest of your life, including the single worst execution of marketing today, which is programmatic digital banner buying on desktop computers. And you know it because nobody here is going to womensdaily.org, bottom left-hand corner, below the fold to see a fucking banner. (laughs) And so we're playing an attention game. The first meeting I ever went to in corporate America in South Jersey, big CPG brand, I'm super pumped. I knew a lot of people. I was very close with Bob Kiltz, the former CEO of Nabisco Craft and Gillette. So I knew the game somewhat from afar. I knew that so many people that were winning in 2009, after I made these big internet investments and had my successful business, I knew that I was gonna have to eat shit for a decade to build a client service business, to build a foundation for me to build my thing. So I came in with as much humility as I could, which is hard, but I came in, I wanted to listen, I was excited, and here's the first meeting I sat in. I I promised myself, I even called my mom, I said, mom, I'm not gonna say a word. I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna do it. I walked in, and it's an IAC or an IAT, you know, lots of agencies are there. And the first PR agency stands up. And this PR agency tells this brand that they got 88.3 million impressions for the brand the month before. When I looked, because I was curious, because I come from digital, they counted all of Huffington Post's monthly traffic, the whole net score, for a mention somewhere deep four clicks into that ecosystem. And everybody clapped, and then the next person came. Some insights type thing, and they said that the Millard brand study was one of the great things that they'd ever seen in their lives. And everybody clapped. And then we watched a video and everybody got emotional and clapped. And then everybody clapped. And then I looked at the last page and it said that the brand was down 27%. And that's when I thought, but I couldn't go there. I said, look, I know, and by the way, everybody's making fun of me, it's 2009, I just put this brand on Facebook physically with my fingers. They're like, isn't that for like my daughter? Like, you know, 2009 is not that long ago. I know a lot of you have been in the industry, you know the level of disrespect these platforms had. So they make a joke, fine. And then I just asked a simple question is, how in the world can we sit in a room for 90 minutes and everything is the greatest thing we've ever seen and the business is down 29%? And the MMM said we were getting huge ROI, I mean like everything. And then the brand manager and the senior brand person looked and they're like, yeah, 
confusing. I'm like, it's not fucking confusing, asshole. I'm like, it's simple. You're scoring the wrong shit. You can measure any marketing activity. The problem is we have a process right now that was made from 1950 to 2000. There's a new world. Attention is in different places. I could care less if Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat exists tomorrow. I just care about where your attention is. How in a world where we know that following, which is every single passenger in a car today is looking at their phone. Shit, 25% of the people that are driving are looking at their phone. And outdoor media prices go up because that's what always happens because they're trying to squeeze the last dollars out. So I was always confused. I was confused, I was saying why is this happening? First I got mad at the brand people, then I got mad at the agency. It's the whole ecosystem. How many people saw the big short, the movie? Raise your hand. Perfect. I never talk in movies. My mom scared me when I was 10 so I don't talk in movies. She said that was bad. I'm watching the big short, I'm sitting with my wife and I just, it was the first time I'd ever talked in a movie. We're watching and all of a sudden I just give her a little of this and I go, Lizzie, this is what's happening in the advertising industry. Everybody knows, everybody's just not in on it from an illegal standpoint, we're just in a machine. We know what's being scored. I used to be mad at you, but now I understand. You can't take this risk. This is how MMM scored inside, and you're not gonna get promoted. And, what if, and we all know, great, brands are up, you can show creative, but there's a lot of variables. The money you pour into trade, trends, what your competitors are doing. Creative is a variable of success, it's just not the only variable of why a brand would grow. So I poke her and I go, Lizzie, this is happening in the advertising industry, and I'm the guy with the weird fucking eye. And by the way, I'm no hero. The only reason I even tell this truth is because my financial interest isn't vested in growing my agency. It's not vested in other things. I'm just going through my North Star. I'm trying to figure out which people in here understand that when you do the behaviors that make you successful in a corporate Fortune 500 company today, you are completely going against what will make you successful in a corporate Fortune 500 company 10 to 15 years from today. I tell my friends that I get to know, I go, look, I know why you're doing this. You can't take this bet on Snapchat even though you are selling to 13 to 18 year olds because it's not scored internally. It's not supported by people two rings above you. That's why you're not doing it. You believe it. Hell, I know that you as a human being think one thing about marketing and selling but when you put on your business jersey and go in every day, you act a different way and I used to be mad but now I understand. Now I'm mad at the CEOs of the biggest companies in the world because they're creating the scoring. And by the way, back to the attention graph, my friends, when I buy my first brand, and you will watch me do it, the first thing I'm gonna do is run multiple Super Bowl ads. I believe that the number one underpriced value of attention in today's marketing world is the Super Bowl because every single person watches it whether they watch it during the game or on YouTube the week before. The problem with the current execution of Super Bowl is the creative has so much vested interest in being a showcase for agencies for new clients and for new employees that we're not making the kind of work in there that really takes advantage of having all of America. There's so many brands in here that are spend hundreds of millions of dollars on CRM over the next decade that they could accomplish that data collection in one Super Bowl ad with the right creative execution to get everybody to do something in their funnel.
But as much as I think the Super Bowl ad is the greatest buy in the world, literally, the second most expensive commercial in the world is the worst. Because as much as we'd like people to watch commercials during the Emmys and the Grammys and NASCAR, it is just not the same attention behavior. Live sports, I, every, you know, a lot of people have been hitting me up, they may, you must be pumped about the NFL ratings. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not gonna use that. 11 of the 18 primetime games have been blowouts. That's why the ratings are down. You can talk about election, you can talk about anything else. Like, I understand why it's happening, so I'm not gonna use that cheap shot. And by the way, Datalogix, an unbelievable company, helped grow my business, but it's no different than Nielsen's or Miller Brown. It was the report that you accepted, fine. But I ask this room, this, and by the way, a room I've really come to love because when you do talk about the cross-section of creative and sales, that's me, that's what I love. I love this room. What I'm scared about is you're all playing a game for 2016 that's in your vested interest, as you should, because you're a human being. The problem is, if you're not paying attention, the game that we're all gonna be playing in 2026, they're gonna judge you poorly. Please go look back at the last three revolutions, industrial revolutions. They're people that got hurt the most look exactly like the people in this room, which were they were making behavior for the prior game, they were training for basketball, and the world made them play hockey. If you think Uber and Airbnb and all the direct-to-consumer brands are gonna love the subjectiveness of creative or the horseshit reporting that has been accepted within this ecosystem, you are out of your mind. And so what is the punchline? The punchline is very simple. We need real common sense. I understand why it feels good to be the holder of the subjectiveness around the creative because it justifies why you're even in the room. But it needs to be understood. For example, on a, you know, my creative started hating me at first because they thought I was downplaying it. I upplay it in a world that this is now the television and the television is the radio. If you understand that shift and you go read the history of the transition of what happened between the radio and the television, and all the quotes that the television would never be a viable medium compared to the radio, or you couldn't do the same creativity. This is just history repeating itself over and over and over. The creatives of those beautiful videos we watched, there were seven more versions of that video. And guess what? If you actually make creative for this world, and you don't do, you know, everybody likes to talk about the media, inefficiencies and transparencies. What about the creative? What about the creative director that's always wanted to blow something up? So that's why they're doing it. What about the creative that always wanted to meet John Legend? That's why he's in the commercial. What about the hidden costs and out of pocket at scale? Come on guys, we know this, I know you know it. I now know why nobody's talking about it because we as human beings have to do what's right for us. Good, I'm fine, I understand. But it doesn't mean that you're marketing properly. But it doesn't mean that it's right. And there's so much opportunity. It's just black and white. When people ask me, what work are you proud of? The work that sold shit. Black and white. You wanna prove that creative works? Great. Facebook is the birth child of direct mail and television. Used hand in hand, it is obnoxious. I can prove to you on any CPG brand by getting no data back from our retailers, because we don't, that it's working because I can run regional creative against a baseline always depletion report standard. You've got, everybody here has got brands that have basically sold the same way, for the most part, at Albertsons in Michigan for the last two years. Run it and see what happens. There is an absolute lack of want to prove the ROI in the industry, mainly because 
and this is just the truth, unfortunately, and I'm not mad at the agencies anymore either, the fundamental fact is we have conglomerates that are both publicly held traded companies and everybody is out for their vested interests as they should, I love capitalism, but the fact of the matter is everybody's trying to run on their margin. And that's what happens. And so there is so much opportunity to tell our stories. That last presentation was exactly right. You just need to get 19 at-bats instead of one at-bat. And you need to run it in a way where the first four at-bats indicates your next nine at-bats. Creatives are gonna be able to get all nine ideas into the ecosystem. And everybody's like, well, does it ladder? You know what I love? But Gary, when you do that, does it ladder up to the brand? Who chooses? You, Sally? You, Sally, are the only woman on earth that knows if this is on brand? We have to really understand that our brands mean different things to different people. We have to understand that there is a totally different marketplace and most of all, and this is basic data, the attention, the attention of the consumer is shifting at scale. If I told you what was happening today, 10 years ago, you would not believe it. The power of computing, the way we date. Remember how taboo internet dating was, right? This is a real opportunity. Doesn't mean anything is dead. This has nothing to do with dead. Nothing's dead. As a matter of fact, you know what I'm paying attention to? Drive time radio. Drive time radio continues to go down in price. It's eventually gonna get super interesting. I can be sold anything. Shit, I'll buy smoke signals and carvings in caves if you sell it to me for zero. (laughs) This is not about this is better than that. This is about if you were agnostic, if you were unemotional, What's a better deal than the other? You could be up 13, people always tell me, but Gary, I'm crushing it on TV and programmatic, that's what you're, they're like, and I'm up 13%. I'm like, hey Rick, what's wrong with up 44%? That's the punchline, and the opportunity is there. And the truth is, I've come to realize, and I'm happy about this, I know all of you know. So now the question is, who's brave enough to have the real conversations internally to give you some room, some room to actually do it? The world's clearly changing and too many people in this room are holding on to the past because it is in their vested financial interest. That's fine and I appreciate it. I'm not saying you're bad. I'm saying please just keep in the back of your mind that that's for the current game we're playing and they're gonna pull the rug from underneath you and you need to know that. Thank you. Thank you. I said it was going to be different, didn't I? So I don't know why that would be different. Because at three o'clock in the morning, after I pump a couple of bottles of rosé into them at Cannes, they say the same shit. <laughs> so I was just going to ask, how do we elevate our creative? Is that, is that, uh, the creative gets elevated when we accept an ecosystem that gives us more creative at bats. This is not creative. I believe creative the most. I just think that an African American with four kids in Houston that's 44 years old is gonna think differently about the creative than Sally in Alaska that's single and 26. And we play in an ecosystem where we just push uh, and then we throw four cents at some interpretation of it. We are completely disrespecting attention. So the first question on the screen I think is the right question to ask. Which it? are knocking out of the park. I have no idea, but <laughs> I don't, you know why? Because we say brands are knocking it out of the park because four trades give them credit. 
Like this is subjective shit. You know who's knocking it out of the park? The people that are deeply putting rigor around their actions for sales. Sour Patch Kids, because we worked on it, I know. Go figure, here's the punchline, this was wild. When you take Sour Patch Kids, which sells to 12 to 18 year olds, when you take it away from running a commercial on Spike TV that cost you $800,000 to make the commercial, when you do that and you take all that money and you pour it into Instagram and Snapchat creative and influencers, then the business grows 60%. Sales, go figure. But it's, but, it's, but it's true, right? It's true, like, like if you were running a commercial for a brand that target audience is 22 and under, you're a fuck face. It's <laughs> getting a little jersey up here. People don't get it. I don't want the business, I just don't want you to go to your interview to Airbnb in four years and have that on your resume. Do you understand? Like, like, come on, like, do you understand? Like, this is real. Do you understand the channel conflict wars that are coming between direct-to-consumer brands and the Fortune 500 CPG companies? Do you understand when Sally's toothpaste is doing 200 million direct-to-consumer that Colgate says, wait a minute, we have to compete with this, but then they can't because Costco and Albertsons and CBS won't let them go DTC? Like, there's real stuff coming. We've gotta take this way more macro. There's a lot coming. You would, like everybody here knows the world 15 years ago. How many people are retiring in 10 years? And I don't mean you're gonna crush it and get bonuses, I mean you're old and you're finished. <laughs> 10 years, raise your hand, 10 years. Four, four. What do you guys think the world looks like in 10 years? It's gonna be 3x the innovation that we've seen in Alexa voice ordering your shit, smart kitchen, smart products reordering itself. Like if you're not running on the treadmill right now doing smart digital to get ready for the marathon we're all living, you're finished as an executive. I shouldn't just ask you, I should just let you keep going. You know what else though, you know what else? I've, I've, taken, an, I've taken an interesting turn on this kind of, what really excites me is I've gone the route of you because I realize how many decisions are made by you, but the punchline is, and you're also helping the business. The executive that did the Sour Patch Kid work is doing way better, but Sour Patch Kids exploded in sales. But you know, listen, when your margin as a media buying agency is very high in programmatic banner, very easy to go to the upfront at CBS and listen to Kanye and place media, you're gonna push that. That's just the truth. And so, but it doesn't make it right. So what do we have to change? I mean, you know. The whole thing. Well, that's but, why there's 2,700 people here. But guys, I'm telling you, gals, listen. Go read the transition of radio to television. It is the biggest preview for you. The biggest brands in the world went down, new brands emerged, the whole beer industry switched because of the emotion and the vested interest of the media planners of the time in radio and they took them to the Yankees game and drank a beer with you know, the Mick. You know? It's a mistake. And again, what really blows my mind is I know you know it now. I used to not. I came from Silicon Valley and entrepreneur land. I was like, you don't know. You know. You're just stuck in the game that you're playing and I get it. But really, two people making a subjective call on a piece of creative and then giving it some vanilla punchline like, for the people, or hey, you can't, like, you, you can't come, it's never creative. 
I can create every one of your slogans for the next 20 years. Let me run a quick algorithm of six common sense words together and I'll give them to you. Because it has to be vanilla. Yeah. I think we should just have a conference with him. Look at all the questions we, we have left on it. Are you hiring? Absolutely. <laughs> because that's the other thing. On the flip side, it's been interesting getting to a place with the agency where we're hiring you know, hefty salary experienced people. The experience is so valuable. The creativity is the variable. The strategic thinking is the variable. It's can that person take away the old habits and go more of a bottom up than top down mentality, right? It's tough for a creative, senior creative, to not jump in the room at the last minute and change something to justify their means when speed does matter. So there's just a lot of things going on, but I think, I will say this, the thing we have to change is the way we're scoring. You know, like too many things look good and then aren't and we're not giving it the rigor because MMM and creative and the brand people, they're all siloed. We have to come together and just like own it together and force creative to prove its actual ROI because so many, you know, I was looking at business early on that was heralding television but they didn't mention that they made an enormous investment in trade to bump up sales. It's like for some reason, we have this emotional attachment to the medium. If I started VaynerMedia today, we would be an Alexa, message bot, top level domain strategy, vertical video shop. That's where we'd be. Because I always wanna be 12 to 18 months ahead of the market, stay alive through my salesmanship, so that when the market's there, you grow. So I have a distinct challenge for you. Okay. See if you can do it. I can. I've got one minute. One minute left. In one minute, can you tell all these people what's the one nugget you want to leave them with that they should go back to their offices? One minute. You're going to die. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard. And I'm being dead serious. There is so much opportunity. The people in this room can do so much if they allow themselves to play a game based on them being self-aware about themselves and what they want their legacy and skill sets to deploy against. We are in a rat trap. We are in a circle. We're all saying the same thing. Anytime I need need new business to grow, I go play your game. It's that easy. I reverse engineer the human being that's gonna make the decision. I let her or him dictate the creative and we go on our merry way. And I wanna shoot myself in the face, right? And then I start beating them up and saying, okay, I sold you, now we're doing none of that, right? Legacy, opportunity, those things. This is an amazing time to be in this industry if you're on the offense and it's the worst time to be on this, in this industry if you're on the defense and 95% of you are on the defense. And if I've got one of you to switch from that shit side to offense today, then I feel really good about myself. Thank you. What a great presentation. Thank you. Thank you. That was Thank you. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Wanted to uh, make a lot of you aware that uh, the Sasha Group, the new uh, marketing agency I launched to help small businesses, uh, startups, and uh, successful entrepreneurs, is uh, got a new website, thesashagroup.com. Uh, please go check it out. Uh, it's been a couple months now that we've been running it and it's going extremely well. And, um, and I really have a funny feeling for a small percentage of this audience it could change the trajectory of your career. Go check it.